Hello, this is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got a very exciting episode with Mega Diamonds, Mega Opals, Gold Mining, Fossils, and other exciting rock and mineral news. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at Radical Rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals. Quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard. But the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock of Felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, that's right radical rocks are everywhere guys thanks for joining in our social media which can be found on all sorts of uh, social media groups such as MeWe. Um, you can find us on locals gitter uh, we're on rumble youtube facebook um, parlor all over the place you just look up radical rocks and we're gonna be there so today we do have a lot of exciting episodes to share with you um, from gold mining to rocks and gems and minerals here and throughout the universe believe it or not so let's get right into it um, how to make a cabochon spaceship this may be something you want to do. Our friends at Rock and Jim send out a wonderful email to me and give us this information for free. What they have here is a clear agate with a little bit of moss that uh, looks like it could be a mountain range or two. And then in the back of the gemstone, they've carved out um, little orbs with, uh, with a, uh, a ring around them to kind of look like a UFO so you can you can go there and look this up how to make cabochon spaceships just go to rock the letter M in rather and Jim and uh, dot com and you can look up that article also they have a wonderful article and it's just a matter of, of carving it out the back um, and they give you the details on that now they have another article on meteorites if meteorites somehow delivered life to earth um, if you're into that and another wonderful article on moldavite which is said to have come from outer space from a giant meteor it is found as i recall in the czechoslovakia area i did some lengthy podcast on that some time ago which you can look that up just look up moldavite in our podcast and that will come up the moldavite is a lot like olivine or peridot it is a volcanic type glass semi-transparent kind of a bottle green color but the darker it is the more valuable it is in most cases the clearer it is but the formation of it is what leads them to believe that it flew through space like a meteorite um, I don't know I guess it's possible that could have happened that uh, you know, a giant glob of glass maybe hit the earth and then the pieces still kind of molten um, flew off. And um, because the design that's on the Moldavite definitely is different than what you find in other um, it, uh, areas of the earth where um, 
olivine, oval, uh, um, olivine and uh, peridot is found. So some interesting articles there from our friends at Rock and Jim. Now, there's a dazzling crystal show coming to Vancouver, and Sarah Anderson tells us about this at the uh, listed uh, dailyhive.com. DH listed is what it, uh, the subtitle of the page is, but it says a dazzling crystal show is coming to Vancouver next month, and uh, you can read all about that. There's some beautiful pictures of some quartz, uh, crystals, uh, quartz spheres, quartz points, things like that, saying they'll be here at the final weekend of March. So if you're in that area, you will want to check it out. Um, you know, this is one of those countries that I think was pretty locked down due to COVID. So they are hoping that uh, there won't be a lockdown and they will be free, finally, to get out and uh, do the things they love, including seeing these rocks, gems, and minerals. So you can check that out if you want, dailyhive.com. Now there is an asteroid that... Uh, is so big and it is being uh, through the years it was discovered a long time ago and uh, now we're finding out it has all these moons on it this asteroid has three moons of its own the last one is just been found this was uh, produced by the New Delhi um, the went on web team and you can go to WIO N E W S W I O news.com and look this up, and they've got a picture of it here. Now, this thing is really, really far away according to the article, so the picture is a little blurry, but they have the picture of it here, and it says, We're generally comfortable with the idea of planets revolving around stars or satellites, but it's hard to wrap your head around an asteroid being so big that it has moons, not only one moon, but several moons. And um, this is being recognized as one of only three asteroids that has its own satellites or moons. The asteroid is named the 130... I'm thinking it's pronounced Electra. It's E-L-E-K-T-R-A, or you can just call it um, Electra. Or maybe it's Elic, Electra. But uh, Electra or Electra has a quadruple system. It's the first quadruple system ever detected in an asteroid. Um, they had found that this asteroid is some 160 miles across or 260 kilometers across. was first discovered in 1873, so it was pretty big. But it took until 2003 before they discovered its first moon, named uh, uh, S2003. And then, um, so that was 130 years later, then the second moon was named S2014. Um, so that was discovered uh, quite a few bits later. And then another discovery in 2014, and now the discovery of this third moon has made it a very interesting system. So, um, asteroids are much smaller than planets, dimly illuminated by sunlight, 
Satellites of asteroids, if any, are hard to detect because they may appear as tiny specks of light, often outshone by their parent asteroid. So hard to detect, but uh, here they have found that uh, on this asteroid. Very, very interesting. Now, I don't know. uh, I love to follow eBay. I'm always looking at claims and mines. I found um, a gentleman named Kent who advertises a lot of uh, gold mines on eBay. And he has this very impressive 19.81 acre claim in the Granite Granite Creek area of Idaho. And it's listed on eBay for $3,500. Now, I just love it because he gives a little bit of history here. This is a very historical, legendary gold area where it is legal to dredge. Uh, the name of the claim is the Golden LE Number 2, and the claim uh, ID is 10529672. This is in the Boise Meridian, um, and he gives the township and range and sections and all that. But uh, this area, it's really you know hard to find claims and stuff that are open, but there might be an open area if you do some more research You'll find out that uh, Granite Creek, Idaho City, this was once very busy with miners, and this was the largest town between St. Louis and San Francisco back in the gold mining days in the 1860s. Following the rumors of the large gold uh, gold fields that were found in Idaho, George Grimes and Moss Spallon were leading a small group of prospectors when they discovered the gold in the Boise Basin on August 2nd, 1862. It all started with a story told to Splon a year earlier by an Indian who said there was so much gold laying about that it could be picked up by the handfuls. The prospectors initially found some placer deposits in the Boise River, which they traced upriver to creeks that flowed through the Boise Basin. These creeks would eventually be named uh, Maurice Creek, M-O-R-E-S Creek, and Grimes Creek, which uh, this is in that that general area. The Boise Basin Gold Rush was the largest since the California Gold Rush about a dozen years before this. For a hardworking gold miner in a good location, a week of prospecting could yield $2,000 per week back when gold was selling somewhere between $20 and $35 an ounce. Within eight months of a strike, an area, this area would become the largest settled area in the Pacific Northwest. Wow, what a wonderful history of gold mining in the Boise Basin of Idaho in the United States. Um, people still do a lot of prospecting there today, and uh, very, very nice to do in the spring. The water's quite cold. You would need uh, very good dredging gear, diving gear, um, and such. Now, what about Oregon? The Oregon sunstones, if you go to opb.org, Oregon sunstones shimmer with mysteries by Julie Gillifinan, and they have some pictures of these. They're almost an orangish color, but some of them are almost a pink color as well. Very beautiful if you can find the shades um, that kind of lean toward pink. Most of them, again, are very orange, kind of a a sun color. And um, you can find out that this Oregon 
gemstone, which uh, I think they're talking about it becoming the state gemstone right now, if it's not already. Um, this is a beautiful gemstone. They have a video here that you can check out. The Columbus River basalts are divided into subunits based on their location, age, and geochemistry. Um, the Pitcher Gorge basalt, which is a Cahoon joking, refers to as the runt of the Columbian River uh, flood basin family because of a smaller eruptive volume that was first identified near John Day. Through gathering rock samples and conducting geochemical analysis, Cahoon hoped to fill in some of the data gaps in what disguises the particular subunit. They're trying to understand all this because the magma that fed these eruptions was basically the same body of magma that feeds Yellowstone. And as you know, um, there is these uh, uh, geysers and such like that under Yellowstone. So it's a huge, they show this huge uh, river of basalts that they say happened from this volcanic areas where the sunstone shows goes all the way out to the Columbia River area and uh, clear out through these other states in the, to the east and to the north. So looking at a novel approach to the topic, this uh, Mr. Cahoon here wondered if the presence of relatively large sunstone crystals in the Columbian River lava flows might hold clues about where the magma that fed the basalt flows originated. So that's what he did in 2016. Um, they studied, they marked it with an X, they found the location of the sunstone mine called the Ponderosa Mine. This is located in the northern, very remote Harney County outside of the current boundaries of any Columbia River flood basalt areas. And they were studying the chemistry to see if it matched these other ones and that allowed them to redraw this map of this uh, gorge basalt belt that you can see on this map. So pretty interesting that these stones have helped uh, greater understanding of how this huge lava flow uh, developed, where it originated from and such. So they verify here in the article that the, the Oregon State Gemstone is the Sunstone. It is very unique. Let me get a swig of coffee here. Because it contains copper, which is not normally found with feldspar crystals. That is what the Sunstone crystals are. This leads to a dazzling variety of colors from clear pink, I was telling you about, very, very rare, very sought after, to red, even green, and teal. Uh, copper flecks in some crystals show a shimmery gold color. They're referred to as the Schiller. So you definitely want to find the Schiller with those copper flecks in it. Um, sunstone mining in Oregon has centered around the tiny town of Plush, P-L-U-S-H, or maybe it's Plush, which has a population of about 60. In Oregon Lake County, uh, that's where the area is in south-central Oregon Lake County. So pretty cool. Um, geologists are still researching this and understanding where, where this all originated. The Ponderosa Mine has is, is been located and kind of uh, considered that this is maybe part of this Columbian River basalt flow area. And uh, now that is uh, what they are finding. 
They said the pitcher gorge basalt was not any larger, but also erupted earlier and for a longer time than previously thought. And uh, there is kind of a gap between this this basin um, and um, if you look at the map, you'll see there's a big, huge mass of this uh, this uh, basalt, and then there's an area where there's no basalt. So they are summarizing on what happened to that. You know, maybe it could be that uh, some of that has worn away, or maybe there was some lifting. Um, it's hard to say what happened, or maybe some mountains up pushed through it. It goes on to talk about uh, these shiny objects of the sunstones and how much there is to learn about this magma um, Columbia River flood basalts or Pitcher Gorge basalts, which is associated with the Steens basalt. And that's where the plush mining or plush mining area and uh, that area is. Pretty neat, pretty interesting article. We love sunstones. Now, oh, I think everyone's favorite is opal. Um, I've done polls, and people always tend to gravitate to opal. At the denvergazette.com, says huge opal sells for nearly $144,000 at an Alaska auction. Um, this gemstone is billed as one of the largest gem-quality opals in existence, and it sold for $144,000 in auction on Sunday. It is 11,800 carats. They have a picture of a Morgan silver dollar here. It is dwarfed by the size of these two large uh, opal chunks. This is a white fire opal with every color of the rainbow in it. I see red, purple, blue, mostly yellows, oranges, um, and, and little bits of greens, but uh, blues are in there, purples are in there. Just a wonderful, beautiful gemstone. Amazing. Dubbed the Americus Australia um, housed in the Alaskan Premier Auction and Appraisal uh, and has been sold. It came from Junia, Alaska. That's where it was found. Vaughn Bandit said the stone has been in his family since the late 50s when his grandfather bought it from an Australian opal dealer named John Altman. So I think it originally came from Australia, but it has just been in America for so long. Um, he decided that uh, it had been locked up long enough, put it out to the world and see what kind of interest it could generate. And boy, did it, it generate a lot of interest because it sold for a pretty price. Um, da -da -da -da. says, the auction house said the stone was discovered in the same field. Okay, here it is, in Australia as an opal known as the Olympic Australia, which weighs 17,000 carats, is an on permanent display in the Altman's shop. And the Olympics had been among the stones. That's the name of the stone, is the Olympic. The Olympic had been among the stones that John Altman and partner Rudy Cherney acquired in 1956, according to the company. Um, the auction company sought a minimum bid for this stone that we found that just popped up on the auction block for $125,000, but uh, it, it did a lot better. So that's really awesome. It's a one-of-a-kind specimen. Again, it sold for $143,750. Wow. Amazing. Beautiful. Check that out. It's denvergazette.com. 
Now, what about raining gemstones? This comes to us from healthcarebusinesses.co.uk. Healthcare businesses, they have a picture of this uh, ominous looking planet and it says, may it rain liquid gems from the sky on this hot outer planet. Now, there is a credit to Izer here, I-Z-E-R, as the author here. This planet, they feel, through their scientific checks with uh, checking lights, it's about, it's orbiting a star, a giant massive uh, gas orbiting star, about 855 light years from Earth, called WASP-121b, may contain mineral clouds and rain made of liquid gemstones, according to a new research. So the atmosphere is actually raining down liquid gemstones. It was first discovered in 2015. It's a very hot planet, similar to Jupiter, and it's much hotter and has a greater mass diameter and is the largest planet, uh, well, Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system. Since then, researchers have made discovery of this new planet, WASP-121b, and uh, it just becomes more and more bizarre. It's distorted somewhat to the shape of a football. The atmosphere glows with this vapor, very strong gravitational force, Uh, of the star that orbits around it. And every 30 hours, it completes one orbit, um, gradually locked out just like the moon with the Earth. So it just kind of hangs there to the side of it, I guess. And um, they feel that there's these severe water cycles just filled with these giant minerals. They said the winds uh, by night are 11,000 miles an hour or 17,703 kilometers per hour. That's pretty fast. So they believe that uh, this causes a coalescing and uh, the gemstones are actually raining out of the sky onto the planet. Isn't that crazy? Um, I don't know what kind of gemstones. Let's see. They talk about extraterrestrial weather. Um, The daytime temperatures there is 4,040 degrees Fahrenheit or 2,227 degrees Celsius. Wow, unbelievable. There's much more details on this if you're interested. Healthcarebusinesses.co.uk Very unusual dinosaur found. He's armless, but not harmless. So they've discovered here ABP uh, Live... You can read this article. New dinosaur species discovered in Argentina was armless but not harmless by Radfa Radfa Kabir. And he has some pictures of these ominous looking, looks like a T-Rex with devil horns. And the arms are so small you can't even hardly see them. Um, This animal, they said, was a serious threat. And they feel that it had these little tiny arms... Basically, it was two fast-running feet with giant mouth. Um, The arms were not of much use to it for uh, fighting or defense, apparently. But, uh, yeah, pretty wild. Lived in South America during the late Creatius period, they say. And they found uh, a partially complete skull in Argentina, which 
provides new evidence to a unique eco- ecosystem of late Cretaceous, according to the study. So that's not really a huge uh, new dinosaur was armless but not harmless. It said all continents were combined together. Um, the supercontinent Pangaea at the time this happened once the tectonic plates moved. Um, then this caused uh, a lot of chaos and um, these animals were there without the use of arms. It said several species of the abolicerids had front limbs that were even shorter than those more famous Trianosaurus rock or, or Trianosaurus rex, T-rex, were effectively useless, which it would have left the Aberlizard sardis hands unable to grasp. So, not too good for doing anything. They had powerful heads and jaws to capture prey, according to the study. So I'm not seeing anything about a whole skeleton of them, but I know they have found some T-Rex full skeletons that indicate the arms are very small. So um, you can read this article. It is quite lengthy and find out more about armless but not harmless. Okay, another kind of a record maker here, a beautiful diamond, 15.1 carat. uh, They call it Kalina Blue. C-U-L-L-I-N-A-I Kalayan Blue? I don't know. It was expected to break uh, all all records for sales. And uh, I thought I had heard this had sold for... Yeah, here it is. They're expecting it to sell for over $40 million um, U.S. dollars or $55.79 million Australian dollars. This stone um, was taken from a 39.35 carat rough blue diamond sold by De Beers three months after it was unearthed back in uh, 2021 at the Cullion Mines in South Africa. Uh, Beautiful blue diamond. Very, very rare and sought after. They've got quite a few of them here listed on the side. If you want to go here, it's jewelermagazine.com. Just look that article up and you will see this beautiful 15.1 blue diamond. It is spectacular. Wow. It is gorgeous. And they have several others here that you can look at too. It says, unlike most diamonds that were created around um, 160 to 240 kilometers below the surface, the Ocvango blue may have formed for millions of years at the transition zone about 640 kilometers down through a geological process called subduction. In line with rising popularity of blue diamonds, um, this, uh, uh, these sales and, and purchases have been made that you can read more about. They have some rough gemstones. They have some uh, videos here on this link. Again, jewelermagazine.com. Just look up the 15.1 carat Colian blue expected to break record sales history um, article attributed to Richard Chu all right and next uh, final but not uh, yeah I guess this will be our last story today Australian gold mining experience opens March the 12th at the Cave Creek Museum so you've still got time to plan for that that's in Arizona on Sunday March the 22nd the Cave Creek Museum 
is going to open up and show the exciting Arizona gold mining experience to the public. Um, they've got all sorts of mining equipment. Uh, they've got a tramway. They have a mine shaft that explodes with sights and sounds. Uh, tramway that transports ore, a tin stamp mill, gold panning skills at the Long Tom Sluice where you can go check that out. Uh, Crowd-pleasing, expansive outdoor experience begins with the museum's lobby and a lively retelling of the Cave Creek Mining District history. Guests then move outside to numerous demonstrations that showcase the hard rock ore extraction process for which Cave Creek is renowned. Um, the article goes on to give much more details about the tin stamp mill um, and the blacksmith shop, uh, gold plant panning station, ore minerals, things like that that you can look at, buy, um, or just look at. Very popular attraction. They do charge to go in here. It's not free. It looks like it's $7 for adults. Kids under 12 are free. They have all the information here. Um, the museum's been there for 51 years, so it's not brand new, but this is a new experience there. You go to azbigmedia.com, and you can read all about this and get hooked up with this, uh, this tour if you want. All right? So that's about it, guys. I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for checking out our social media. Until next time, remember, rock hounds don't die. They petrify.